I'm Kevin Leeson. Dumb and rich. Recipe for disaster. I'm Torin Atkinson. Ukrainian kitty Jesus died for their sins. I'm Joe Fulgham. Thinking about killing a lot of people? Go on a listening spree instead with caustic soda. Spree means to frolic, a drinking bout. What? From 1804, slang, perhaps an alteration of the French esprit, lively wit. And, oh. and yet the definition by the U.S. Bureau of Justice Statistics defines a spree killing yes. as killings at two or more locations with almost no time break between murders. So it doesn't sound joyful or celebratory at all. What about a shopping spree? Is, oh. Are there any other sprees besides shopping and killing? <laughs> <laughs> not that I get the drinking off. spree, they, like they, a pub crawl is kind of a party spree. Yeah, but it's not a turn of phrase. Could you have a masturbation nobody goes, spree? Nobody goes. Let's go on a party well, spree. Sex spree depends. Like if you what you call like almost no downtime. Well, the subject of this uh, episode of Caustic Soda is not shopping spree. It's not shopping spree. It is killing sprees, uh, which of course is multiple murders in multiple locations. Give us an example of a killing spree. You know, if we're going to talk about killing sprees, we got to go back to the pretty much the granddaddy of them all, Charles Whitman. I mean, I'm sure you've all seen the footage. He was, was the guy up in the tower at the University of Texas, picking oh. people off with his oh, uh, yeah. with his hunting rifle. When was that? 1966, July 31st. Uh, he started, and uh, August 1st he ended. Wow. How many people? 14 people. I feel like a slacker. I haven't killed anyone. Well, some people may argue, well, hold on. Whitman was a mass murderer, not a spree killer, because he was up in the tower and he shot all those people. The definition of spree is, once again? Multiple murders in multiple locations over a short period of time. Oh, so he was only in one location. That's not true. Well, you would think that. Uh, but uh, the reason he started on July 31st is because July 31st, he killed his mother and his wife. Okay. And then on the morning of and August then 1st, he went to the University of Texas with... Uh, a small arsenal of arms and uh, started picking people off like those ducks at the shooting gallery at the right. carnival. So if I killed one person a year for 40 years, it would not be considered a spree. You are not on a killing spree. Hmm. How many minutes have to pass? Well, it's not, well, it's, there's, there's it, no hard and fast rule. I, I think it's think. the same way that if you go shopping a couple times a month, that's not a shopping spree, <laughs> right? You have to like shop, 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 shop. Yeah, you exactly. have to shop like crazy. Okay, fair enough. Uh, well, what are the interesting parts of the Whitman? Was he related to Walt Whitman, first of all, is the <laughs> important question? I don't think so. He was a former Marine who, uh, you know, all the, a lot of these killing sprees seem to be by either current or former military personnel. Well, if you're not good at shooting, I don't think you'd be very good at the spree. Yeah. You know, you get one guy and then you die. Match snapping mentally with, with expertise in small arms turns out badly for the victims. Yeah, you better watch websites when I snap, because so, I've got website expertise, and there's a whole bunch going down. So, so how did how did this all end up? Well, the reason I think this one's so famous is because there's all the footage, right? That there he was up there for so long that lots of cameras were around and police officers running across the open square to pull people who've been shot out of harm's way, and a couple of the police officers were killed, and it, that's why it's so famous, is because. There was a media coverage that you don't usually get for these sorts of things, especially in that time. 
Plus, there was an homage to it on The Simpsons with Ned Flanders going to the bell tower and everyone's Homer Simpson. There's Homer Simpson. That's Homer Simpson. Remember? <laughs> Barely. I do not remember that episode. It was a dream sequence. Uh, one of the only killing sprees that I could find any note of that uh, was in the same kind of era was the um, the Charles Starkweather case. Oh, I know about that one. Oh, yeah? What do you know? Well, I know a few things. I know that uh, it happened in Nebraska and Wyoming during a two-month road trip between Charles Raymond Starkweather and his 14-year-old girlfriend, Caroline Fugit. Road trip. Yep, road trips and guns. I found this story really interesting because they were so young. I mean, she was 13 and he was 19. And he had a James Dean fixation and dressed up like James Dean. You know, when I saw the picture of the guy, I'm like, is that a James Dean lookalike? He couldn't hold down a job until he got his garbage collection route. Oh, nice. Where he began to plot bank robberies and finally conceived his own personal philosophy, which is dead people are all on the same level. He had a problem with uh, authority, you know, not being treated as an equal and because he was kind of dumb. So, so welcome to being 17. <laughs> like uh, you, nobody treats you as an equal when you're 17. You think you're an adult. You're really not. I mean, think about how dumb you were at 17. So his first murder, uh, he went in to buy a stuffed toy on credit from a service station for uh, Carol Ann. The clerk refused and he later came back and shot him in the head with a shotgun. He didn't just come back and shoot him in the head with a shotgun. He dragged him out into a field and, yeah. like, executed him, execution style. He, there was a bit of a struggle, and he got, uh, and the clerk got kind of wounded, and then he just said, oh, oh now no, I'm really going to kill him. And then yeah. he, and he kind of described later about how he had felt, he had this kind of spiritual feeling that he was elevated above Oh, that this is what made him better like than, than regular Joes, yeah. was his ability to kill innocent people. And then on January 28th, 1958, he went to visit Carol Ann. His uh, mother and stepfather refused to allow him to visit. So he fatally shot the two of them with a shotgun and uh, continued to strangle and stab the two-year-old daughter. Two-year-old sister of his girlfriend. And so what did his girlfriend do? Hey, let's go on the road. Well, she wasn't there at the time, but she came back and he kind of explained what happened. And they buried the bodies together yeah. in various locations. Became a co-conspirator. Right. Yeah. And they stayed in the house for six days, and she put a note on the door that said, uh, stay away, everybody is sick with the flu. And you know, you know what? They hmm. didn't bury the bodies. They dumped them in the outhouse. Is that true? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. That's right. They threw the bodies into the outhouse in the backyard because they didn't have indoor plumbing. So grandma becomes suspicious, uh, calls the police, the two flee, and, and, then, the and then they're on the road. They killed a... Uh, a family friend who owned a farm nearby. They killed a couple that picked them up while they were hitchhiking. They killed Mr. and Mrs. Ward, w local wealthy industrialists. And, and they're made. made. They and then they tried to uh, carjack a shoe salesman and killed him. And that's when a cop showed up, wasn't it? And then uh, took chase. And they couldn't get the car that they tried to steal from the shoe salesman because the dead body was inside and he was like on the handbrake or something like that. And so they... I think that it was that he had not driven that kind of a car before yeah there was so it had some sort of a yeah. break that he wasn't familiar with so he couldn't get it started he apparently was not the brightest bulb they were um, both caught and he was executed in the electric chair whereas uh caroline fugit was paroled uh in june 1976 and 17 years later now here, here's the interesting thing, and this has come up time and time again on on caustic soda i am amazed he was caught in June of, uh, or January of 1958, and executed in June of 1959. People didn't mess around. 
Due process was a lot shorter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just find that sort of a fascinating footnote to the whole story is how quickly justice comes down on, uh, on the guilty and times gone past. Mm-hmm. Another interesting thing about this particular case, probably more movies. Uh, sorry, we'll start from 1963, The Sadist. Yeah. Uh, Badlands, 1973. 1983, Stark Raving Mad. 1993, made-for-TV movie Murder in the Heartland. Oh, wait, Stark Raving Mad must have been a play on his name, Starkweather. Mm-hmm. And then Natural Born Killers in 1994 and Starkweather in 2004. So basically every 10 years, they, seem to they make a new movie make a about this case. Movie, yeah, Incredibly young people doing really awful things. A two-year-old sister? I'm sure the two-year-old wasn't going to be identifying him in a lineup. Cruel and unusual. I got the list of... Uh, Biggest killing sprees. The big history. list of killing sprees? That's right. And uh, then the, the Yuri Yong would be the next and the biggest. That's right. The, the, this is the biggest of all time so far. The Yuri Yong massacre in South Korea in 1982. 57 dead. The, 35 wounded. Over how long of a period? The perpetrator was a guy named Wu Bum Khan. I'm sure he... Bum Khan? Yeah, I'm sure it's something to do with his name. People poke fun at him or something. Again, a, another person who was familiar with guns. He was a, he was a South a Korean police officer. 27-year-old disgruntled police officer. Oh, uh, the disgruntled. Using two M2 carbines and hand grenades in an eight-hour round. Wow, a hand grenade spree. A hand grenade spree. Do, they, do we know how many hand grenades he had? It doesn't say. It does not say. But obviously Plural. more than one because yeah. there's an S at the Minimum end two grenade. Yeah. hand grenades. The, I think this is the only spree I've heard of where uh, high explosives were included in the spree. I'm sure that's what jacked the number up. So you don't have to use a bullet on every single person. You just toss a grenade into a crowd. And In the early hours of April 27th, after rampaging through five villages in Yuryong County, Wu took his final two grenades and strapped them to his body. He then held three people captive and then set the grenades fuses, killing both himself and his final victims. I like how in this Wikipedia entry, strapped to his body is a hyperlink. Uh, oh, to? it links to suicide attack. Okay. Oh, there you go. All right. Uh, yeah, a lot of these... Um, Spree killers seem to end it with suicide. Ninety percent of them either suicide or get gunned down by. Well, police. as crazy as they are, they seem to know where this is going to end up. They're yeah. not going to say like, "I'm going to go into killing spree and go to work tomorrow." Charles Starkweather <laughs> actually stands out as one of the only ones that actually gave himself up. From the cop who caught him, um, a bullet shattered the windshield and flying glass cut Starkweather. Starkweather stopped abruptly and surrendered. Converse County Sheriff Earl Heflin said he thought he was bleeding to death. That's why he stopped. That's the kind of yellow son of a bitch he is. Uh, so he thought he was bleeding to death and said, the only way I'm not going to die is by surrendering and going to the hospital to deal with this. So yeah. he's, a, he's a coward. The yellow son of a bitch. Yep. Number two is the Port Arthur massacre in 1996. Oh, I know about that one. Martin Bryant, yeah, uh, who I was fond of torturing guy. animals as a young man. Many of these guys seem to have that in the repertoire. Yeah, so he's just kind of this um, bullyish kid, with a violent in- child. Incredibly low IQ, I'm told. Yes. Here's where it all began. 1987, when he's 19, he met a 54-year-old eccentric recluse, Helen Mary Elizabeth Harvey, heiress to a share in the lottery fortune. Helen lived with her mom, 76-year-old Hilva, they had a mansion with 14 dogs and 40 cats living inside the garage. Ah, crazy cat wow. ladies. Yeah. So Hilva dies in 1990, and Helen invites Martin to, uh, to live with her in the mansion. And they go on a spending spree. Ah, shopping spree. And then in 91, they move on a 72-acre farm. 
Uh, neighbors recalled that Martin carried an air gun and often fired it at, at tourists as they stopped to buy apples at a stall on the highway. This is the kind of guy he is. <laughs> and late at night, he would roam through the surrounding properties firing uh, the gun at dogs. Is he practicing? And in 1992, Helen Harvey was killed when her car veered to the wrong side of the road and hit an oncoming car. Uh, Martin was inside the vehicle at the time, and he was hospitalized uh, for seven months with neck and back injuries. Now, does anybody mm. else find this suspicious that, uh, you know, he's hanging out with this incredibly rich heiress to a lottery fortune, and then she dies in a car accident where he's in the car? Well, it, it was investigated by police. Uh, and Martin had a habit of lunging for the steering wheel. He had a habit. Yeah, and, ha- and they'd already had three accidents as a result of this habit. Oh, man. It, it, that doesn't sound like a habit. That sounds like a compulsion. But uh, Martin Bryant was this named the sole beneficiary in Helen's will and came to possession of assets worth about half a million dollars. Imagine that. Hey, uh, honey, guess what I just did? I just made you the sole beneficiary of my fortune in your will. Oh, look at that. I've just come up with a habit of lunging for steering wheels. <laughs> and I wear my seatbelt and you don't. <laughs> One hand on the steering wheel, the other hand disengaging her seatbelt. It reminds the me, button. kind of reminds me of the scene from Fight Club. Yeah, totally. Gotta let go. He's a guy who shoots at tourists, kills neighbor's dogs, lunges at steering wheels, is a sole beneficiary of multimillionaire heiresses. I, I smell a fish. <laughs> so Martin's father, Maurice, around this time, moves into the mansion. This is while he, uh, while Martin himself is in the hospital from the uh-huh. injuries. About a year later, someone comes to the mansion, and there's a note on the door that says, Call the police. Okay. Hmm. Maurice's body is found in one of the four dams on the property, weighted down with one of Martin's diving belts around his neck. It is ruled as a suicide. <laughs> At this point, Martin inherits his father's superannuation fund, valued at $250,000. Is, uh, wow. is, is the head of the Tasmanian police Inspector Clouseau? Mm-hmm. You know, when you, when you put a violent loner in a mansion all by himself, it's going to end well. Well, his dress certainly becomes more bizarre. He wears a gray linen suit, cravat, lizard skin shoes, and a Panama hat while carrying a briefcase, telling anyone who listens that he had his well-paying career. <laughs> and he often wears uh, an electric blue suit with flared trousers and a ruffled shirt to his favorite restaurant. Oh, nice. Well, so he's got a good he sense of style. Favorite. Yeah, he's definitely... So he kind of looks like an Australian pimp? Yeah, kind of. We're describing. And he goes on a bunch of overseas trips, about 14 of them between 93 and 95. Okay. And he starts to drink. Oh, and do any of his overseas trips include uh, safaris or other opportunities for him to shoot things? I don't have that information. Maybe it would have been wise to get yeah. that out of his system. But. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he got frustrated. There's nothing to shoot here. He, he finds that everywhere he goes, people treat him the same, which is not very well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because, right. you know, he's a dumb guy who dresses horribly. So he gets, and, that, and, he gets that treatment from people. I don't want to glaze over the violent loner part either. I want, to, I want to factor that. He's a violent loner right. who dresses yeah. strangely and acts weird. So 28th of April, 1996, he gets in his yellow Volvo and drives to a couple-owned uh, bed and breakfast guest house that his father had wanted to purchase while he was alive, of course. Martin went inside and fired several shots, uh, then gagged one of the owners and stabs him. This is it. This is the... The spree. This is the spree. Uh-huh. He continues to the Broad Arrow Cafe on the grounds of the historical site Port Arthur, which is... Um, a former convict settlement. Uh, well, isn't the entire continent of Australia and Tasmania a well, former settlement for convicts? Yeah, but they, they created the, you know, go here, go here, go here, and then they spread out from there later. All right, okay. So he brings a duffel bag, has a meal, then moves to the back of the cafe and sets a video camera on the vacant table. 
Oh, but I haven't been able to find any video footage hmm. of any kind. Uh, from... You did the trial, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Or no trial, is the, depending on how this ends. So then he takes out his AR-15 and begins shooting patrons and uh, staff. The AR-15, the lightweight and more reliable little sister to the M-16. Kills 20 people within a matter of seconds. Uh, then he flees, shooting at people in the parking lot as he drives away. So he drives 300 meters down the road to where a woman and her two children are walking. He stops, fires two shots, killing the woman and the child she was carrying. Uh, the older child flees. Bryant follows her and kills her with a single shot. Then he steals a gold BMW by killing the occupants. Continues driving down the road beside a couple in a white Toyota. Orders the male occupant into the trunk of the BMW. He, he drives around a bit. Drives around, stealing different cars, killing the occupants, with, with that the, sort of but, thing. And he has a guy in the trunk. Yeah. So then he re- he drives back to the guest house, the B&B guest house. Uh, sets Where it his, all started. Sets his stolen car on fire. Takes his hostage, the the, the guy he put the in trunk. the trunk, into inside with the corpses from the B and B, and then the police arrive. There's basically hours of negotiation, a un- standoff, un- yeah, if you will. until the phone that Martin Bryan is using, the battery dies. Eighteen hours later, the place is on fire from the inside. Oh, he lit it on fire. Yeah. Okay. He comes. He runs out, uh, burning on fire himself. Yeah, on fire himself. He lit the building. Now, do you think he lit himself on fire and he accidentally lit the building? Or do you think he lit the building and accidentally set himself on fire? It's a good question. Chicken and he's, egg, I he's know. He's dumb. I, I would think that he he's like, screwed I'm up gonna, setting the building. I'll I'm set the building tor- on fire to cover my escape. Yeah, that's, or cover all yeah, the that evidence. Could well be. And then went up in flames himself. Yeah. Uh, it become, later on, it becomes evident that uh, he's killed the hostages well before this happens. Right. But yeah, he comes out. He's, he is captured, taken to... Uh, prison into a mental hospital and uh, given 35 life sentences without possibility of parole for the 35 people that he killed. Hmm. Uh, this seems like one of the ones that probably should have been prevented. Somebody should have stepped in maybe when his dad without a suicide note was found at the bottom of a pool with his weight belt tied around his neck. Right. Maybe that point. Stop. Put him under surveillance of some kind. Yeah, or just investigated. Yeah. Perhaps had an interview of some kind. Yeah. He initially pled not guilty to the 35 murders, and he was laughing hysterically as the judge read out the charges against him. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And then later on, to avoid being sent to solitary confinement, he changed his plea to guilty. Well, newspaper coverage immediately after the massacre raised serious questions about journalistic practices because photos of Martin had been digitally manipulated with the effect of making him appear more deranged to put it in the papers and stuff yeah hmm that's pretty unscrupulous i shudder at the prospect of pronouncing this (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much wikipedia for having the pronunciation in cyrillic well the the nebrobretrovsk maniacs the number one reason that they uh were convicted was because they videotaped most of their crimes. Okay, because they're that smart. Well, there were a couple of 19-year-old psychopaths in the Ukraine, and their weapon of choice was a hammer. Well, they were just a couple of kind of ne'er-do-wells, and neither of them had jobs. One of them was a gypsy taxi driver, and his gypsy cab was what they used uh, to start out with because they would pick people up uh, and then take them out into like a lonely place and then murder them. So, so erstwhile clients. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Air quotes. Even though yeah. they didn't start that way. They didn't start that way because they're killing spree. And this is where we talk about how 
a spree killer and the amount of time between killings All right. uh, is sort of a moving target, right? Because these guys were in operation for almost two months. Mm. Right. The hallmarks of their crime were uh, smashing them about the head and neck with uh, a hammer and other blunt objects, right. making them uh, virtually unrecognizable. Do we know the make of the hammer? Uh, no, but there is a picture, a screen capture from one of their videos of him holding the hammer over his head, and it's a big, mean-looking hammer. Okay. It's not your grandfather's hammer. <laughs> it's not your regular old uh, carpentry hammer? It's like an extra industrial-looking carpentry hammer. Okay. So uh, for big nails. Wow. Looks good enough to kill. Uh, and Holding uh, it triumphantly over his head. When they when they finally caught them and then uh, obviously searched their residence or whatever, they found all these videotapes and photographs of right. their crimes. And uh, many of their victims, while they were still alive, before they would smash their heads in, they would gouge their eyes out. Gruesome. And uh, one woman was pregnant, and they actually cut the fetus out of her womb. Oh. So, classic oh. Manson family style. Man. But again, they found video footage of them torturing animals. Right. They actually had uh, ca- kidnapped a cat and uh, had nailed it to a cross. Mm-hmm. Jesus style? Jesus style. Crucified the cat and then uh, and filled its mouth with uh, wax and other things so that the cat couldn't scream and then ev- eviscerated it. Wow, that cat. Totally died for your sins. No. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, again, nobody put a stop to these guys before they uh, ended 21 innocent lives. They would actually go to the funerals of the victims and take pictures of themselves next to their gravestones, flipping the gravestones off. Really? Classy. Wow. I just Classy I just guys. can't get the idea of Morris out of my head and on the cross. Would they be sociopaths or psychopaths? We would have to ask Dr. Rob. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the difference Let's is. Let's get him on the line. <laughs> This is like, this is evil. Like, these oh. guys couldn't have thought that they were doing good. Like, so many in so many instances of think, people doing bad things, in their minds, they're kind of, you know, well, it's good, bad, but I'm doing it for a good reason. Well, you know, I'm doing it for my family or whatever. But these kind of people are just, there's just no reason for this. It's like so many, evil. So many of these spree killers, it's like robbery or it's revenge or mm-hmm. it is, uh, you know, they're, 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 it's fantasy or... There's fantasy fulfillment and all this. There's there's always seems to be something behind it. And these guys set a new level for absolutely pointless. Yeah. William Unick, who was an African police constable, started on his first of two spree killings. Double spreed? In the Belgian Congo, he killed 21 people with an axe before escaping and ending up in Tanganyika. So... This is the first example I came across where a spree killer actually escaped prosecution or death. Right. Between right. sprees. And so he obviously made a clean getaway. What was his first spree and what was his second spree? His first spree what was figures? In, in the Belgian Congo in 1954. He killed 21 people with an axe. 21 people with an axe. Wow. And then uh, uh, apparently, because of a misunderstanding with his boss in Tanganyika, he went on a second rampage on February 11th, 1957. So three years later, in a new, in another country, mm. armed with a stolen police rifle, fifty rounds of ammunition, and an axe, seems to fit his, his axe. His weapon of choice. Weapon of choice. He started killing people in the area of Malampaka, southeast of Mwanza in Tanganyika. Within twelve hours, he had shot ten men, eight women, and eight children, murdered five more men with the axe, stabbed another man. Burned two women and a child. What? And strangled a 15-year-old girl, thus killing a total of 36 people. Wow, he's not afraid to get his hands dirty. So his first spree was 21 people. 
His second spree was 36 people. Wow. For a total of 57. A grand total. Grand total of 57. Wow. It's actually, it doesn't make the list uh, tied with the uh, Yuriyong massacre in South Korea because it's not a 57-person killing spree. It's a 21-person killing spree and right. a 36-person killing spree. Right. But I'm almost on the verge of calling this one single killing spree with a big, long tea break in between. I'm sure he's arguing that, you know, come on. Put me at the top of the list. So they they were uh, he was uh, they went on a man, nine day manhunt, and he was eventually caught when he went to a man's house to look for food. Right. And the man sent his wife to police, and they uh, when the police arrived. And this was when? This was 1957. So how does the man in the house notice in his wife because of this guy? Oh, well, this guy had come by earlier, right? Uh, looking for food, and he called the police when he left, and they said if he comes back call us again okay mm. try and keep him occupied somehow so he cooked him a was meal. he covered in blood <laughs> no, I mean, he, after it was killing at, people in axe he must be well no this is at the end of a nine-day manhunt right so mm. he probably so there's like swam through a uh, photos a, of the post office and stuff yeah, like that probably swam through a river to you know fool the dogs and right says it like we see in hollywood if hollywood's taught me anything yeah swimming through a river can fool the dogs uh, when the police arrived, uh, Ayumbo, the man who reported the incident, uh, fled his house and the police threw in a smoke bomb, which set the house on fire. And Unek got injured when attempting to evade capture and later succumbed to his wounds in the hospital. Yeah, well, the spree killing kind of lends itself to getting caught, right? Because you're not really thinking about consequences. No. You're, you, you, you don't know when to end. Yeah. Like, oh, that's enough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think I'll stop now while yeah. I'm ahead. I got my 21. I'll get out of here. So it's like it's like turtles at Christmas. Well, I wonder what made him stop his first spree then. Yeah, I guess. Just got he tired? Ran out of axe bullets. <laughs> well, you know. Axe <laughs> bullets? Maybe he made a list and there were 21 people on it. And he, he, he got to the end of the list and went, oh, mission accomplished. Time to flee. I'm just thinking like the or axe, it? the head of his axe flew off. It's like, oh, this? well. I guess this is all right. Just his arm got tired, man. This but, you know. Just he, fell asleep in the middle of a spree. He, had, I mean, he also was a narcoleptic. That's, that's, <laughs> you know, that's very possible that his axe went down and that's why he decided to take off. Or he got and a really bad splinter. In his second spree, he had that figured out, right? Because uh, he ended up by burning two women and a child and strangling a 15-year-old girl. So he went beyond the axe the second time around. I'm just trying to you go on a spree you're going to burn someone? Yeah. That's commitment. Yeah, oh yeah. No, like you have to sit there and that's that's not like just shooting someone. No, no. And, and then running. Or throwing a grenade into a crowd like you would in South Korea or any of the other things. Yeah. You're limiting the odds of you getting a really effective number on your spree if you're burning. Yeah, it's not it's not a, it's not a number game at that point. It's yeah. like commitment to the craft. Probably. I mean, he's out in the woods in Africa and your local police are probably a 45 minute drive away or something. Your spree has got it's legs. Just, just petered out. <laughs> yeah. Much like this conversation. I'll be glad when you're dead, you rascal you. You rascal you. I'll be glad when you're in your grave, you dog. When you're dead and in your grave, no more ravioli will you crave. I'll be glad when you're dead, you rascal you. You rascal you. I'll be glad when you're dead, you rascal you. You rascal you. I'll be glad when you're in your grave, you dog. Dirty dog. I invite you to my house for a meal. All my meatballs you try to steal. Mm, you're a dirty dog. You're dirty dog. I will be glad when you're dead, you rascal you. You rascal you. I'll be glad when you're in your grave. 
standing on a corner plastered when they bring your body by. Mm, you're a devil, yeah. Two killing sprees this year. We had the uh, one this in year being 2010. 2010. 20, for 2010. Who, for anybody who five years down the road is still listening to back episodes of the year we made contact. 2010, yeah. the year we made contact with, with bullets. Killing sprees. All right. Okay. So, I, I don't know anything about these sprees. Let on. We've got the uh, Apomatox shootings in Apomatox, Virginia. Uh, police were called to the road outside of Pomatox in report of a man who required medical attention. And when they arrived, they were fired on uh, by the suspect, who also fired on a police helicopter, forcing it to make an emergency oh, landing. Really? He fled, and uh, then a force of more than 100 police officers surrounded him. Uh, no officers were injured in the attacks, though eight civilians were killed, three in a house co-owned by the gunman, four outside the house, and the last on the road. Um, you know what mental picture actually popped into my mind when you said he was surrounded by over 100 officers? That knife scene from Beat It. The knife fighting scene from the Michael Jackson. From the Michael Jackson video, you get the two guys, and they're surrounded by their respective gangs. Oh, yeah. That's the mental image that popped in my head. This guy facing off against some police officer. With his wrist tied to the police yeah, officer's the wrist, wrist and the other, high-powered yeah. rifle in his other hand. <laughs> right. Exactly. And uh, that's actually, yeah, he actually uh, surrendered on January 20th, uh, a day later, in the same wooded area where he'd been surrounded, wearing a bulletproof vest, but without the high-powered rifle believed to be the weapon used. Oh, so he surrendered too. He <laughs> surrendered. I believe he has not undergone trial yet. 
On June 24, 2010, Appomattox County Circuit Court Judge Richard Blanton signed an order declaring Spate incompetent to stand trial. He was ordered sent to a state psychiatric hospital until such time when he is able to assist his attorneys with his defense. He had a bunch of um, explosives in his home. When they searched his building uh, the the morning of the day after, they found explosives both inside and around the building, uh, which they then detonated safely. Oh, why didn't he go out in a blaze of glory? He detonated? Oh, yeah, as opposed to... When you, when, you find, do, right? when, you, when you find explosives, you, you bring in the bomb squad and they blow them up yeah, rather yeah. than move them. You don't just cut the black wire? <laughs> no. If MacGyver you, has taught us anything, snip the wire. You only cut the black wire if there's a timer beeping down. Beep. Mm. Beep. Oh. June 2nd, 2010, lone gunman Derek Bird killed 12 people, injured, injured 11 others before killing himself in the county of Cumbria, northwest England, United Kingdom. Oh, UK. Yeah, he was a 52-year-old local taxi driver. You know what? These spree killings seem to be all over the world. You got the South Korea, you got the Tasmania, you got the Ukraine, right. you got the England, you got the Scotland, you got the U.S. There's no real yeah. geographical determinant in the whole spree killing thing. Speculation that he may have had a grudge against people associated with the Sellafield nuclear power plant that he worked for as a joiner. So disgruntled employee. Mm. Right, but wait a sec. This says that he, he lost his job in 1990 and he went on his spree in He's been fuming this whole time. Oh, he was, that is a slow boil, that one. Yeah, he resigned due to an allegation of theft of wood from the plant. And he was actually convicted. Um, and three for of the theft dead of wood for theft of wood. Yeah. 12, well, 12 months suspended. Fine. What is wood doing at a nuclear power plant anyway? That's a, <laughs> like, that's what they build it out of did they build nuclear power plants. It's a bit England, of a shanty. Of actually, yeah. it's a nuclear shanty. <laughs> I think they may want to rethink that <laughs> a nuclear power shanty. It's all they can afford in England. <laughs> so three of the dead were former employees. Uh, although there's no evidence that they were involved uh, with his resignation. Again, this is one of those rich guys because he had 60,000 pounds in a secret bank account. Well, that's, that's a good chunk of change. Money can't buy you happiness, but killing sprees can. <laughs> he should have gotten hand apparently, grenades. That would have upped his killing spree. Apparently, money plus being really dumb makes you kill people. Hmm. Yeah. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. You know what it is? Here, here, here's, my, here's my pop psychology coming into play here. They have money. They think, I'm going to be happy now. And then, then they're, they're not, not happy. And they go right along that route for a couple of years, and they go, well, now what's going to make me happy? Killing spree. Well, if I'm not happy, nobody no, will be. Uh, ah, yeah. misery loves company. It uh, worries me that that leapt so easily to your mind, Torrin. <laughs> Are you happy, Torrin? Thankfully, you'll never have money. <laughs> <laughs> there is that we have that, to look forward to. You'll never to. have that to push you over the edge, eh, Torrin? You'll, you'll be disgruntled, but not disgruntled and disappointed. Movies? That list that you rattled off in the first half. Yeah, which I haven't seen any of those. Oh, you haven't seen Natural Born Killers? No, sorry. He called me on that one. <laughs> you know what, honestly? Natural Born Killers, here's my thought on Natural Born Killers. Written by Quentin Tarantino, directed by Oliver Stone. I can't remember the last time I saw an Oliver Stone movie that I liked. Ooh. Ooh. Not an Oliver Stone fan. And every time Natural Born Killers is on TV, or I see a piece of it, or if somebody talks about it, I just think to myself how much better a movie it would have been if they'd let Tarantino direct it. Hmm. Oh, I see. Yeah, fair enough. I probably would have liked uh, I mean, I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it. Yeah. And at the time, I thought there were some really innovative things, like when they're driving along with the rear projection stuff, 
and like all the surreal dream-like elements to it. A lot of the the analyzing of the media and how they play into right. these killers' hands and stuff like this. Like there were a lot of really interesting things that I that, that Oliver Stone just fucked up. I'm down with that. I, yeah. I liked it. I think I liked it a little bit more than you, but yeah. uh, but I can totally understand that. I think Tarantino would have done better. Yeah. Well, I mean, the only performance that I really like is I thought Woody Harrelson and, and Juliette Lewis were kind of miscast, hmm. but I really like Robert Downey as the uh, the manipulative journalist. I liked Woody Harrelson in that. He's really good at playing like dumb. Yeah, like, I don't know. I did. I just at the time, I guess I still thought of him as Woody from Cheers. Probably. Yeah, it could be. What about Fisher King? What it is, is that is the catalyst that sets off why Robin Williams' character is all messed up is because of a spree killer. Okay. Uh, it's one of my favorites. and It's uh, one of the Terry Gilliam films that you can actually not go, I, uh, uh, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although there are, there are some of those elements, right? Yeah, there's definitely like with the with the uh, the night. So, or he allowed the movie to stay grounded and kind of non-Gilliam-esque in a yeah. lot of the times and yeah. then showed, the, used the Gilliam-esque style for, for the those, madness yeah, and right. then the visions and, and i think that worked so well frighteners that's not a terry gilliam movie but let's talk about it i really like the frighteners and yeah. i know it got terrible reviews at the time that it came out but i've seen I it liked it i've seen it a couple times definitely it, it was on tv just a couple weeks ago and i saw it again and went you know it's a good movie frighteners is about this spree killer uh or serial killer slash spree well, killer now, i guess frighteners is about a guy who can see ghosts yes who all the ghosts are getting killed by the serial killer ghost by the ghost of a spree killer. Yes. Yeah. Before Jake Beast's character dies, he's a spree killer. Yeah. Right before we started, uh, before we started recording, Mike pointed out that, uh, Mike Leeson, our Mike, engineer, sound Mike engineer, Leeson, our engineer slash producer pointed out that Jake Beast's character makes a Starkweather reference. Yes. Mm. Now he had, um, he had more numbers than Starkweather before he even was executed. And now that he's killing people after execution, he's, cranking it up killing ghosts he's basically yeah. a ghost killer well he, he kills people too starring michael j fox and featuring jeffrey combs of reanimator and oh, star yeah. trek yeah yeah fame right. of that creepy the creepy uh fbi agent yeah yeah yeah, yeah michael great. j fox good canadian kid a little yeah. shaky oh <laughs> i uh not in his performances nope that's true i love michael j fox why don't you marry him then uh, yeah. i'm already married Oh. It would be legal up here, though. Boondock Saints? Don't love it as much as so many other people do. Um, Never seen it? I've, I've seen it. Cheaply made, good, fun, far more, action flick. Far more interesting than the Boondock Saints is the documentary about the crazy director yeah. of the Boondock Saints. I've Tell me more. Uh, they made a documentary. Uh, well, first of all, well, how do the spree killings feature into Boondock Saints? Well, there uh, are a couple of guys who are agents of justice, and they justify... Killing all these crooks, all the criminals in there. Right. I think they, they accidentally kill a couple of mobsters or something like that. Yeah. And, and then, then they, they go off on a killing spree. Right. They find out they're kill really good all. at it. Yeah, exactly. There was this crazy egomaniac is the writer director of this film. And he negotiated. Troy Duffy. Troy Duffy. And uh, he originally had sold the movie to the Weinsteins, Miramax at the time. With the deal, he got this crazy fee for a guy who'd never directed anything before, and he convinced them to buy him a bar. So he wanted to be a bar owner, and made that included in his deal. And he hired a couple of friends of his to shoot behind-the-scenes footage for the DVD. Okay. And so these guys are Let's shooting... see where this is going. They're shooting everything behind the scenes, not just stuff on set, but, like, stuff that's happening at the bar, stuff that, like, their concept meetings, like, everything. Right. right? 
So eventually they have him and his friends have a falling out and uh, he cuts his friends loose. And these guys figure that they have enough really interesting footage mm-hmm. to cobble together a documentary about this psychopathic eating maniac director. And that they do. And uh, What's it called? Overnight. That's right. Overnight success, overnight failure. Because he, he eventually, his egomania gets so out of control that he actually alienates the Weinsteins. And they cut him loose. But uh, the documentary is, I've seen snippets. I haven't seen the whole thing. I guarantee it's outstanding. All right. It's a real sort of pull the curtain back and see the man behind the curtain kind of thing. Right. The last movie I have on my list is Killing Spree from 1987. Oh, appropriately titled. Have you no seen, has anyone seen it? No. no. Starring uh, Asbestos Felt. Are you kidding <laughs> what? me? What? That's not a real name. That's that's how he's credited on IMDb. That's, that, that's Asbestos Felt. That's a total Alan Smithy. I don't want my name attached to this movie. Call me Muslin Silk. <laughs> I, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either. I, my my stage name will be Corduroy Jones. Oh, first name Corda, last name Roy. Corda Roy. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I haven't seen this film, but I did get this choice quote from one of the reviews on IMDb. This is a film about a guy who thinks his wife is cheating on him, so he kills off a bunch of people while having flashbacks of his wife doing these awful things. The main character cuts a girl's head off and tosses it from a really tall height and it lands on a guy and kills the guy. <laughs> also, check out hilarious deaths involving chainsaws and lawnmowers and splattered entrails and the like. For whatever reason, all the characters come back to life as zombies at the end. <laughs> that sounds like the perfect movie. Well, it has heads falling from buildings and killing people. Do you think the person who wrote and directed this movie thought that say, he'd been cheated on before? Maybe this was, instead of his own killing spree, this was his healthy outlet. Ah, yes! Maybe if all these other people had become filmmakers, none of this would have happened. We wouldn't have anything to talk about. We wouldn't even be here right now. That's right. If Troy Duffy had not made Boondock Saints independently, we'd be talking about Troy Duffy's killing spree. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. He would have gone to the bar that he wanted to own that the Weinsteins needed to buy for him, and he would have wiped everybody out. There's a lot of video games that are about killing sprees but the one that really pops to mind is a really really sick one uh that i've played didn't love but played called postal 2 it's the sequel to postal which i haven't played and basically it's about just going on a rampage and killing a whole bunch of people that you don't like uh hence in, the in title the, postal yeah going in, postal in the do, are of, you playing a post carrier a mail carrier um i don't even think you are you're just in like the first a guy one. no in the first in one the you first are. one you might be in yeah. this one you're a guy who lives in like a trailer or something yeah. like that but you have a letter on you no i don't think so i don't think there's any post office that's the worst stuff. name in the I first know. one you drive around a postal truck anyway so you're walking around the town of paradise uh, arizona and uh, you just find all sorts of people who piss you off for whatever reason there are people protesting outside the video game developers offices mm-hmm uh, talking about protesting violent video games, and of course, what you can do is kill them all. Um, but the game is That's famous justice. for having uh, one is that you can put your guns away and just walk around and nobody bothers you. But if you pull your gun out and actually point it at somebody, they will get down on their knees and beg you, no, please. Then if you want to be really sick, you can then use the urinate key and pee on them. And, and urinate because button. you are pointing your gun at them, they will not run away. And we'll just make all sorts of, oh my god, no, I, oh, 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 
I don't get off on that kind of thing. You didn't press the U button constantly? The, the urinate button? Uh, you know, you kind of... Well, here's the question. Want to see maybe, what's going on. Here's the, the question I have. Maybe the yeah. character you, in the game... Is... Do, you, do you have to recharge the urinate button, or can you just pee forever in this video game? Oh, or you have to remember. To drink you have to sock back some Gatorade in order to get I can't remember. I think that might actually be true, that you have to recharge it. It's been so long, and it was kind of a forgettable game. You know, I worked on uh, Postal, the movie. Did you urinate anyone? Uh... Not that I recall <laughs> myself. Fair enough. Uh, or postal the movie a an Uva Bowl. Oh, ho, ho, ho. An Uva Bowl film, uh, largely considered one of the worst directors in the world. The script was actually half decent, so I, I never watched the movie, but I did read the script, and uh, it was very self-referential. Like Uva Bowl is actually in the movie, and then he gets killed by one of the other characters. He comes to accept an award and it turns out to be a trap so they can lure him there so they can murder him. So it's, I think it was his attempt to try and actually appeal to people who hate him. Kind of like doing the William Shatner thing. Only William Shatner is much more popular. Yes. No, absolutely. People actually like William Shatner. Some people do. Nobody likes Uwe Ball. New episodes of Caustic Soda go up every Monday morning. Feel free to go by iTunes and give us an excellent rating. We're streaming on rantmedia.com every Tuesday and Saturday at 6 p.m. Head on over to causticsodapodcast.com for comments and our visuals and show notes. Want to throw out a special thanks to Brother Mike for providing the uh, venue for us to record this at.